December 26th, Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 18. One of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me, John. Come with me, he said, and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who sits on many waters. The rulers of the world have had immoral relations with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns, written all over with blasphemies against God. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing, and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. She held in her hand a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people, who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her completely amazed. Why are you so amazed? the angel asked. I will tell you the mystery of this woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns. The beast you saw was alive, but isn't now, and yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life from before the world began, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. And now understand this. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills of the city where this woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen. The sixth now reigns, and the seventh is yet to come. But his reign will be brief. The scarlet beast that was alive and then died is the eighth king. He is like the other seven, and he too will go to his doom. His ten horns are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give their power and authority to him. Together they will wage war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will defeat them, because he is Lord over all lords and king over all kings and his people are the called and chosen and faithful ones. And the angel said to me, The waters where the prostitute is sitting represents masses of people of every nation and language. The scarlet beast and his ten horns, which represent ten kings who will reign with him, all hate the prostitute. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out His purposes. They will mutually agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast, and so the words of God will be fulfilled. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the earth.
Luke 21 verse 34 to 36 And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. The return of the Lord is not supposed to catch the believers unaware. Christ has already given us all the indications of his return, and he has also told us all the measures we need to put in place to ensure that we are fully prepared for his coming. We are supposed to be ready for his coming. What if he doesn't come in my lifetime? Does it really matter? Whether he comes here or whether you go to him, it doesn't matter. We are to be always ready. The day our life here on earth will end is unknown to us all, and the day of his coming is unknown to anyone. Not even Christ himself or the angels in heaven know the day of his return. That means you and I should always be ready. The uncertainty of the very day of Christ's return is the reason we must all live our lives in a way that will qualify us to reign with him when he shall suddenly appear. Matthew 24 verse 36 But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Christ warns us not to be overly conscious of the cares and pleasures of life, so that his coming will not meet us unprepared. Therefore, believers are to live every day of their lives as if Christ will return the following hour. There are many who are beginning to lose the hope of the coming of Christ because of its delay. Throwing cautions to the wind is quite dangerous at this time because all the indicators of the imminence of Christ's return are being manifested in our very eyes. We must always be on guard because Christ will come as a thief in the night who gives no notice to his victims. Matthew 24 verse 27 For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Christ told us how we should live in preparation for his return. He instructed us to always watch and pray. Christ knows that if we watch and pray, we will not fall into temptation. He knows that if we are on our watch, his coming will not come upon us unaware. To watch means to be eager, earnestly waiting for his return. To watch also means to be on guard and to be careful. Our eagerness for the return of the Lord will produce a great passion in our hearts, which will cause us to stand firm in the hope of his arrival.
We are to watch for the return of the Lord as one who earnestly yearns and waits for the return of a loved one from a journey. We keep watch for the coming of the Lord when we guard our conducts and refuse to be lured into evil practices of the world. The world is charming. It promises momentary pleasures. However, believers must learn to subdue their appetites for the pleasures of this world in order to lay hold on eternity. While the people of the world will be pursuing wealth, fame and power at all cost, Christ would return to their utter dismay, leaving them with no opportunity to amend their ways. Then, the blessedness of our watchfulness will be glaring to all, for the reward of our patience will be duly handed to us. Revelation 22 verse 12 And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Matthew 24 verse 36 to 44 says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Noah walked with God. Prior to the time of Noah's flood, there had never been any rain on the earth. It was very easy for Noah to doubt what God told him. A man who has never experienced rainfall will hardly believe there is anything called a flood. So it was strange for Noah, yet he acted in obedience. Trusting in God, and acting in obedience to his commandments is interesting when it is a corporate affair, but it becomes the most challenging thing when you are left alone. I'm sure many would have asked Noah what he was going to do with an ark. Noah would have relayed to many people what God intended to do and would have preached to them to escape for their lives by getting into the ark. But the fact that only Noah and his family were saved from the flood suggested that the people of his time thought it was ridiculous. And in the world we live in today, there are many who will tell you that believing in God is ridiculous. Many who believe that Jesus is not coming back. But we believers know the truth, and we must prepare our lives and act in obedience, just as Noah did 
so that we may find grace and mercy in the sight of the Lord when the time comes. Believers should learn to walk with God, even if it means walking alone. At times, when we walk in obedience to God, we appear to be senseless to men. However, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25 tells us that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The generation of Noah discovered her folly, but it was too late. Ultimately, believers should know that the ark built by Noah was only a shadow of the reality to come. Jesus Christ is the ark that saves. Therefore, we must believe the word of God is true and valid, irrespective of the world's responses to it. Jesus will return unannounced to take his people to be with him. His return will be as sudden as the event of the flood in Noah's time, which caught them all unaware. For the believer, a proper understanding that Christ will return at any moment should be a source of encouragement. This is why it is described as the blessed hope. Each day we should live with a spirit of expectation. Living with a spirit of expectation has several benefits as it makes us conscious that we should live holy lives. For instance, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 teaches, So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3 verse 23 adds, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Just because the world says ungodly living is okay doesn't mean the Lord says it's okay. The Lord expects us to be holy because He is holy and abides in us. Christians, no matter who we are, where we live, or our status in life, have been called to live holy and blameless before God. God wants us to desire His presence more than anything else, so that we can be like Him in character and our actions. Living with an expectation of His coming will help you and me live a holier life. This is a very hard question to ask when the Lord returns. Do you want to be in the middle of committing a sin? Or do you want to be living a life that is pleasing to Him? Just think about it, when He returns, what will you be doing? Will you be in the middle of telling a lie or telling the truth? Will you be arguing with your neighbor or will you be loving your neighbor?